And as you grow more and more, you realize it's that different part of your personality that actually adds value to the teams you begin to join throughout your employment. Um, and if you don't respect yourself and, and, and that uh, you know, different perspective, then you'll never be able to add that value. Welcome back to Beyond High Street. David Schwab with you. Hoping everyone's doing great today. We caught up with Catherine Stalmack on the pod this week. She's general counsel of a public health care company, Bioscript. The discussion spanned many topics, probably of most importance, is being a mom and work-life balance or the lack thereof of what work-life balance actually is. Thoughtful discussion and the important personal decision a mom has to make about working, staying at home, or the ability to do both. And I appreciate Catherine willing to talk in detail about it. We also get into planning for the unplanned work and how every day is different from her and how she has to adapt to the needs of employees, clients, and shareholders. She touches on how to shut off and get free time and re-energize so that she's the best and on when she is in the workplace. And also about friendships at Miami and the importance of that and how she counts on those friends as peers and mentors still to this day and how failures have shaped her and the importance of learning from failing and the importance of failing too, but learning from failing and and how it's helped her today. Thank you, Catherine. Hope everyone enjoys the pod. The best and worst part of my day is that it's it's a little bit unpredictable. Um, Best part because I think from a job satisfaction standpoint, right, it's, it's really exciting that I get to deal with new and interesting issues that, you know, come to me every day. I work for a publicly traded healthcare company, and it's, it's, it's awesome to work with um, just not only our employees, but also the impact we have on patients. But that creates, a, a, you know, issues that, that come up all the time where my schedule is not necessarily my own. So that's kind of the, the bad part of it where, you know, we might have, a, you know, an issue pop up last minute and it kind of sometimes throws, throws your entire schedule off on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, when I come to work, I, there are times uh, almost on a weekly, if not daily basis, where, where I, I just don't know what's going to hit my desk. And are, and are most of those challenges internal from... Uh, interaction with colleagues or more from clients outside the company? It's both. So, you know, not only do we deal with patients on a day-to-day basis, so, you know, we... Uh, our whole business model is patient empowerment um, and, and making sure we get patients into the lowest cost setting where their clinical outcomes uh, are, are proven to be the best, right? But so we're dealing with patient issues, obviously, um, and getting them into those settings, uh, which is the home. But separately, we're public. And so I deal with uh, shareholders um, on a regular basis, as well as, you know, internal uh, issues, um, whether it deals with sales operations. So I think those three components, patients, shareholders, and employees, uh, comprise of what you'll see on a regular basis on my desk. Yeah, talk about that. That's all three of those. That's the entire kind of ecosystem. So talk about shareholders and how you have to communicate with shareholders, because I imagine that is a very different type of communication than to patients or your sales team. 
Right. So, you know, as a public company general counsel, I think you always have to be um, very aware of the communications to the shareholders. And, and that's any member of the executive team, whether it's my CEO, CFO, myself, um, we want to make sure we what we're communicating to one shareholder that might be material to them is communicated in the proper manner to all of our shareholders, right? And so um, we're evaluating on a regular basis materiality to our shareholders and making sure they have the best information possible so they can determine whether they, they uh, trade our stock, right? So um, it's it's you have to have experience in doing it, um, and I work with a CEO and CFO who have a lot of experience making sure they are doing the right thing in the best interest of our shareholders. And my board of directors has a fiduciary duty to our shareholders to do the same. So we're always thinking about them and, um, you know, what's in the best interest of not only the company but our shareholders. But it's, it's, an, it's a skill set that I, I think no matter how much experience you have, you either have it or you don't. Mm. And how much – and you guys are Denver, right? So how much of your – We are. Yeah. How much of your business day uh, is work on mountain time zone or how much are you reacting to other parts of the world? So we are, our company is largely uh, based east of the Mississippi, so a, a majority of the issues I deal with are in e- Eastern time. Um, I, our board is both on uh, Central and Eastern time, so whether it's dealing with the board or our employees. It, um, while we're, we have 52 branches across the country, I would say a majority of our branches are, is on East Coast time, um, which makes it challenging as well, right? You, you know after 3 o'clock your day is slowing down, <laughs> but as of 6 in the morning, um, you know, you're, I, I'm somewhat working around the clock, frankly, because, you know, the latter part of my day, I'm dealing with internal issues at the corporate office, at the corporate level, where I'm able to get a majority of my work done. Um, but, you know, my day could start as early as 5.30 or 6. And frankly, when we are, are dealing with our quarterly earnings reports, I think we're all up at 5 a.m. to try to make it to the office to have our earnings call before the market opens. Mm. And so talk about that, that daily I guess, churn for you, the 5 or 5.30 or 6 or whatever time, when, when you wake up in the morning, are you a exercise first? Do you go straight to the phone and look at news or anything that happened to the company overnight? Do you listen to pods? What's your, how do you get going to get you into the mindset when you're in the office? Yeah, good question. Um, it, it, you know, it depends on the day. I do work out almost every day. So what really charges me is, you know, I'll get up very early and, and try to get a workout in. And then shortly after that, I've got three boys at my house. Everyone's like, what do you do at your free time? I'm like, well, um, I, I, I'm great at uh, Nerf guns. Uh, I, I, I'm really good on the trampoline and I, I play, you know, really well in our tree house. So, I mean, my free time is my kids. And my husband, obviously. Um, so make sure we uh, their school starts early. They're on the bus by 7:20. So send them off, uh, and then head into work. But um, you know, I try to get that workout in when everyone else is asleep. And when you're working out, are you listening to music, podcasts, or watching TV, or are you just I'm focused a big Peloton on... person. Ah. So that's music. I try to sign off when I'm working out, yep. like sign off from everything. So it's, it's, it is the one thing I do for myself 
you know, my CEO always says, um, in order to function well at work and, and have a clear head and judgment, and we're dealing with very high-level stressful issues on a regular basis. It's just the nature of not only being in healthcare but being public, right, a publicly traded healthcare company. So he always says, you know, if you are not, uh, you know, re-energizing yourself by working out, eating healthy, um, then you're doing yourself a disservice. And you're really not bringing your best self to your family and work every day. So, Well, it's nice to get that from leadership because that's a, that's a hard thing to do. Sometimes in your mind, you feel you need to be always on. Uh, and so right. while taking a break long-term pays off, short-term, that's, a, that's a, almost an internal personal struggle that people deal with. Do you, do you take that same approach on planes? Do you go books and movies or is the computer open? Okay, so I've been on planes with my executive team and what they'll tell you is I have my computer out uh, and working while watching a movie. I do that Because a lot. I never get to watch movies <laughs> and I, I'm a really good multitasker uh, and so I will have my phone out propped up against my laptop and I'll be, you know, grinding out work at the same time. And I'm able to pay attention to both. Yeah, some, some, <laughs> somehow I have figured that out too. And uh, I do the same. And you've been out in Denver for how long? Three years. So I was um, a healthcare attorney um, at a law firm for right before I accepted this job as Bioscripts General Counsel. And so worked in Chicago when I accepted that role for about a year. And then our corporate headquarters moved to Denver. Um, at which time, when my husband learned this, he started packing his bags and, you know, wanted to move before he, he moved us. He's a big skier and uh, went to DU Law School. So he was like, he's been living his best life in Denver, David. Uh, it sounds awesome. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's nice when the spouse is along for the, the move. I'm sure that doesn't happen for everybody. And were you born and raised... Chicago, then Miami, then to Chicago, or where did you where did you start that sent you to Oxford? Yeah, I, you know, born on the East Coast, really grew up in the Midwest. So Columbus, Ohio, uh, was there from seven on, seven years of age, and then went to college at Miami of Ohio. Then from Miami, went to Chicago with a bunch of my girlfriends from Miami, and uh, you know, then three years ago, Denver. So slowly migrating from East Coast to the West, right? And when you were in Miami, uh, I, you know, I came from D.C., so I did not have any classmates. When you're coming from Columbus, you know a lot of people. Um, so talk about that freshman year on campus when you know a bunch of um, um, young men and women who you were friends with or knew maybe through uh, school or surrounding schools, but you're also out uh, in a new adventure looking to meet many people from really all over the world. So here's something I'm going to disclose. I was a huge nerd in high school and really had only a few friends, and my <laughs> sister will totally tell you that. So when I got to college, I was meeting a, a and, and gaining a whole new set of friends, which was wonderful because as I became a, a more comfortable with myself and a less awkward human being, I think I met women who who helped me grow into who I am now. And so I met some of my best girlfriends day one of college and um, actually my roommate, uh, who I, I think recognized me for my nerdiness and, and accepted me and, and kind of introduced me into a cooler set of friends and, and 
who all accepted me for who I was. And um, we we grew together. We've seen, we've been there when each other's kids have been born, and we still vacation uh, to this day together. Actually, I was just in Chicago visiting and uh, had dinner with, with some of them. So I'm so grateful for, for their friendship. And, and I think it's a bond from Miami that you have for the rest of your life. What, what was the personality trait that came out uh, that your roommate uh, loved the nerdiness and brought you to the to the cool side of the fence, I guess? But no, what was the trait that... personality trait or me? No, no, yours. No, what, what, what did you... What did you do or what was it that made you feel more comfortable to allow you to thrive in school and beyond if you were more, like, I don't know, nerdy, introverted, whatever that trait was but was there something specific that made you more comfortable yeah you know I think it was just mainly her personality and um, I, I think she made me realize I, I took life way too seriously and that it was really too short and uh, it was definitely time in your life to have fun and enjoy um, and that there this is really the only four years um, that that you have to not only learn but develop and grow and uh, I think she just, she really taught me not to take things so seriously, and which I had, like, my entire life up until that point. Mm. And, and what else, what else did you learn at Miami? What else, what were the other personality traits that um, you learned about yourself or you started to see, hey, I, I, I think or act in a certain way, and that's something I want to do in the future or keep working towards? Yeah, you know, that's a really great question, David. I think, you know, one of the things you learn as you get older, especially in your 20s, um, when your eyes open to some of the things around you and, and um, you know, that life is not, uh, you, you, I think you realize and grow about some of the things that can happen to you, especially when you're considering a career and um, whether it's a career, family, or what have you, you're faced with decisions that, um, you know, could impact you for a while in your 20s, right? And, and so when you're growing with a certain group of friends, you really recognize the importance of having women there to support you every step of the way um, that aren't judgmental, who really accept you for who you are. So I think when you're worried about, you know, going into a new job or, or you know, a new situation or meeting new people whether or a move, um, you you look back and say, I have such a foundation of friends that 1,000% accept me for who I am. Um, and you really want to carry that with you through your entire life um, because everyone is so different. And as you grow more and more, you realize it's that different part of your personality that actually adds value to the teams you begin to join throughout your employment. Um, and if you don't respect yourself and, and, and that, uh, you know, different perspective, then you'll never be able to add that value. So, you know, when I look back at my friendships, they never, they really truly always accepted me for who I was and, and I them. Mm. So, and that's what, why we love um, hanging out with each other <laughs> and we make fun of each other to this day about all the things we used to do and, and yet, um, you know, we'll always be there for each other. Mm. And, uh, a lawyer is one of the few professions out there where people stay in the same job discipline from possibly beginning to end. When you went to school or what year in school did you say this is the field I want to be in? 
Yeah, so I went into Miami being an education major, hmm. right? And there was a point in, uh, and I remember it to this day, I was, is it King Hall? I just, is it the library, King Library? Yep, King Library, sure. Okay, all right. So I, that just popped into my head. I was walking out of the library studying, and um, it was a moment where, it came into my head, I, I want a different career path. And I was a junior, right, in, in college. And I had already, you know, was on the path, started, you know, the substitute teaching program, Miami. Miami has a fabulous education program. And there was something, some instinct, uh, gut instinct, which my entire life has never, you know, never proven me to be wrong where I was like, I, I want to be, uh, or go on a different path. And that's when I, I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. It's just some, I can't describe it anything different than that. I wish I could, but, um, uh, and, and it's okay. You know, one thing I would tell people to this day and those people who are in college, it's okay that you don't know what you want to do. I would focus on the, um, the choices you make and, and following your instinct and your gut. And if you do that and, and try your best to find what you think is in your best interest and, and follow your heart, then that choice won't be wrong. Um, and, and you can always change your mind. I mean, that's what, that's what life is. You, you know, you shouldn't have to, um, you know, at 18, 19, 20 years old, decide what you want to do for the rest of your life. Not many people know, frankly. Yeah, and I think many experiences that we partake in younger, and probably still now, but when we're younger, you you always learn what you like, but you, you learn quickly what you don't like, and you're able to rule things out, which then sets you in narrowing down a path to maybe a choice that's the best outcome for you, too. Exactly. And, you know, the one thing I'd also say, um, I look at my career now and I look back and so many people nowadays are not only afraid of failure, but afraid to admit they're wrong. And one of the things I, I mean, the biggest takeaway is the, the biggest failures that I've experienced, not only in my career, but, you know, uh, in life in general, um, have taught me the most. And um, I look back at the, you know, I kind of, I am the type of personality that runs into the challenge, not away from it. And if you run into the challenge and afraid you might be wrong, then you're really not going to learn. And, and where I am now is, you know, I think this is by far the biggest job I've had in my career. Um, and uh, the most I've learned in the last four years I've been at Bioscript, um, you know, have been as a result of the really significant challenges this company has seen and, you know, learning and have I handled all those perfectly? Absolutely not. And, and, but I can tell you what I've learned from those challenges. I, I can, you know, my next career or my next company, um, I will know how to handle situations differently and, and you can't expect to do things perfectly. And, and if you're at a job where you're not faced with those challenges, there's really no path to get better. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, so talk, talk about getting better and, and how you learn or skills or things that you continually uh, try to improve on to help you, you know, in, in just life, the work-life balance and running around with three kids and, you know, a big job at a publicly traded company, too. 
Well, there, you know, one thing I'll say is, you know, everyone talks about work, work-life balance. They're really, in my mind, there's no such thing. There's always going to be a sacrifice, and you have to acknowledge this. If you're a parent, there is, there is going to be a sacrifice with both work and family because you're at work, right, when sometimes your family is home. And, and my job has, has uh, had a lot of traveling, and, and my kids were little, very little, and still are, frankly, um, when I started traveling. So uh, the most important thing you can have is, is a support system at home and uh, transparency at home when, when things aren't going well and, and letting work know, uh, you know, I need to take today off because I need to volunteer at my son's school. And, or, you know, um, I, you know, and that's just, there are going to be sacrifices on both sides and you have to be comfortable that that's going to happen if you, if you have a family. Um, so that, that's one. I think um, my husband is probably the best support system I have, and he understands. He might be frustrated sometimes, but he understands my job, um, and he's had to sacrifice his career somewhat because mine is such a high uh, demanding job. Um, I should just say demanding in general. Um, so he has flexibility with his work, uh, so he can, you know, handle certain things with the kids. And without him, I would not be where I am today. So, um, and he's had to put up with a lot over yeah. the last few years. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind, take it. It's a really interesting discussion point. I had a we had a pod earlier when we started and talked to a few. Um, peers, women who uh, left Miami and had a very successful professional career in their 20s and then in their 30s and 40s made the personal choice to be a mom um, and yep. uh, and focus on being a mom and then now are 45 and 50 and have chosen to uh, re-enter the workforce with also uh, a personal agenda to teach young women coming out of school or in their 20s, that you do have a choice, that you have a choice um, sometime to when you have um, children to go either path, to figure out mm-hmm. the professional and personal together as, as you're doing right now. And if you choose not to do that and choose to stay at home and, and be with your kids, that's wonderful too and really important. So I'm curious just your you know how you've balanced in in your yourself on um, really doing two things that are incredibly demanding, both a general counsel role and and being a, a mom and a wife and the important part of a family. Yeah, I think first and foremost that choice is so personal yep. um, that you have to go with you know what you think is in the best interest of your family yourself because if you don't consider yourself you're not going to be able to give your best self to your husband and kids or your spouse and kids so you you really have to follow that instinct and um do what you think is best for you you're going to hear advice uh i i heard from you know my mom uh you know there's going to be a lot of people that want you to stay at home that say how great it is and there's going to be a lot of people that tell you you know if you want to go to work keep going to work it's going to be fine there are such different perspectives you have to follow your own instinct is what's best for you so you can bring your best self to your family every day first and foremost um every situation is so different so it's really i've always said it's hard to give advice on that um, 
because because it's so personal, David. And and do I struggle with being at work? I'd lie if if I didn't say I didn't. Um, I would say other working moms are in the same dilemma where they've realized the sacrifices they've made and and struggle with it. Uh, you know, I've been working for, what is it, 18 years since I've been an attorney, and I still struggle with it on a regular basis. Um, my kids make me not only a better human being, but work also makes me a better mom. That's for me. And the reason why it does is just because, you know, when I do come home and have time with my kids, I am giving them uh, 100% of, of all myself and, 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 you know, that, that time we have. And it's not as much as other, you know, when you're home all day with your kids. That's just for me. I think it's very different uh, for everyone else, and, and everyone should follow their heart in terms of what they think is in the best interest of, of their family. Mm. And, and your, your three boys, and, and maybe you've got some nerds that have lived your, your life, and, and maybe you have the extroverts and different. What do you, what do you teach um, your kids in terms of personality traits and learning that helped you growing up and as you got through school and got older? Yeah, you know, so my twins are six and my oldest is eight. And, um, you know, I always, uh, I teach them many things. One of the things I, 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 is at the forefront is, is lead by example Mm. that when you, um, you, how you, uh, are, are treat others and, and how you handle certain situations, um, is going to come back. Uh, and, and if you handle, if you are a good leader in various, uh, situations that, that you, that's going to, that's going to be recognized and you treat people how you want to be treated yourself. So that's first and foremost, I always, you know, want them to be kind, caring, compassionate kids. Um, I think, you know, it's it's always a struggle when you're a mom to, you know, you're going to deal with, your kids throw challenges at you all the time. And so it's, it's a struggle sometimes to deal with those challenges, but you also want to encourage your kids, you're going to make mistakes. And, and one of the things I also teach them is no matter what happens, I am always here for you and, uh, you know, here to support you. And I think it's those mistakes. As I said at the front end of this podcast, you know, without those failures, you're never going to be a better human being. So I try to, you know, have my kids embrace their failures, embrace their mistakes, and how to move forward and, and, and be better human beings. And that's kind of the concept, I think, of leading by example. Um, so how I act, you know, and, and the example I set in front of my family is how I hope they go on to treat others. So I am so massively aware how I handle situations <laughs> before my kids. So when I lose it, you know, and we all have been there, sure. I, I really try to maintain a calm because if you lead by example and are able to handle stressful situations and the chaos calmly, um, then that's going to make impressions amongst your kids. I do that at work. I, I try to lead by example at work as well because uh, we, we deal with day-to-day situations that are extremely stressful where there's a lot you know, whether it's a lot of money or, or people's jobs on the line, um, the better you handle the situation in the face of adversity and stress is, is really going to set the tone on the outcome of that situation. 
The mom work-life balance discussion is really important. Uh, It's not talked about enough. And thank you, Catherine, for willing to share in detail your thoughts, your personal thoughts on that. And obviously, every woman has their own personal decision of what to do. But that was thoughtful. uh, And again, appreciate the willingness to share. I hope everyone enjoyed the pod. I hope everyone has a great week. See you at Skippers real soon.